Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. We are full in off-season mode here. I've already got a perfect startup draft article up at UTH. The last week, it's been really busy just in terms of updating the database for UTH a number of items. First of all, uh, we got all the player uh, player rankings updated at the skill positions. Second of all, uh, got the rookies incorporated. Got 70 plus 2024 rookies uh, involved with the skill position and overall dynasty rankings as well. The trade calculator values are now up to date as well with the rookies incorporated. So these are huge steps forward uh, for where we need to be here in mid-January and moving forward with the trade market, startup draft market, and team building market as well. In this episode, uh, to start, I want to go through a key item for each of the offenses that are now out of the NFL playoffs. So one and done, and these are teams that now uh, made the playoffs. However, their, their season quickly, one game later, is over. Cleveland Browns. We we're one of the talking points was going to be around Joe Flacco. He's a high variance option in Dynasty because he obviously fueled and helped a lot of teams uh, at their most critical nexus point late in the season. If you had underperformers or you had injured players, Joe Flacco was a huge boost and boon uh, to the position and to your team health there late with how he performed. Now, didn't play all that well against the Texans. They got blown out. And so now he's a free agent. Is he even going to play? Uh, does he have any outs to be a starter in week one? Certainly with Cleveland themselves, not really any quarterback competition or question mark at all here. They would have need to go on a deeper playoff run than this and Flacco obviously playing better than this. So Deshaun Watson, not that he was on a hot seat or anything. Uh, this obviously solidifies how easy and how clarified that's going to be in the offseason. Joe Flacco for Dynasty is going to be one, though, you're going to want to hold for a little bit. You don't really have to cut players in 90-something percent of leagues until you get to rookie draft time at a minimum. A lot of times that's after the NFL draft. So we're going to get some data points here on Joe Flacco, the free agent, if he's going to be one that maybe sits out and tries to find an opportunity like this in season, if he's even interested in playing again in 2024. So again, he's going to be one that we hold. I happen to think that by the time you get to rookie drafts, you need to clear some roster spots. If I were betting today, I would bet you generally in sub 30 man rosters, you're cutting Joe Flacco. If you get to 35 plus, maybe you're keeping him just on the profile of what he was able to do. And the fact that he's a quarterback and you may not have good options otherwise uh, to, to churn him out for. Um, so I think that's the, the the biggest talking point. I would say also about the Browns, Jerome Ford's in a nice spot. Kareem Hunt's a free agent. There might be some interest in bringing him back. But Jerome Ford, there's outs for him being a week one starter and a guy that's in our lineups with Nick Chubb coming back from injury. If that's a slow progression at all, uh, he could be one that blends the gap. Uh, so Jerome Ford's in a nice spot of having a profile now of production. Kareem Hunt may not be back and he's on the older side. 
and you have that Nick Chubb um, injury variable. So I think uh, Jerome Ford is the other very interesting name there. For the Miami Dolphins, obviously it's Tua Tagovailoa. The concerns about that uh, of you know fair weather and when things go wrong, like I was see it's amazing the difference between how they started the season, uh, you know, in the first couple months and then how they finished the season. And obviously just the the optics there of finishing in the cold. It looked like Miami wanted no part of it. This reminded me when I was growing up and you have these dome teams. I always remember it was the Atlanta Falcons and uh there, there was one other team that they would play, you know, they look good in the dome, uh, you know, some of these uh, warm weather or t- more temperate games on the road. And then invariably those Michael Vick uh, teams or uh, those Falcon teams, I remember they would go up to Philadelphia in the first, second round of the playoffs. And that would be it. <laughs> and it, it would just be like a completely different team at that point. Uh, and the Dolphins kind of uh, resonated in that fashion of just, uh, you know, you get all the way in a critical mass game, it just you get derailed. Uh, part of it's by opponent, and then part of it's by, uh, again, I mean, you're not used to playing in those types of conditions. And so for two attack of Iloa, I just wonder, is this the best it will ever be? Raheem Mostert was largely healthy this year. Uh, I don't see that backfield changing a whole lot between Mostert, Achan, uh, as the most notable pieces there. And you had a largely healthy Tyree Kill. You had Jalen Waddell, who missed a little bit of time. Uh, but those were the key components. And you got the, in my opinion, the perfect storm. And I just, you know, they had a really good shot here. It derailed at the end a little bit. But Tua is a, I need a lot of stuff around me. Like if you put him with the Chiefs, I wonder what would happen. I mean, he might be QB 28 in production where Patrick Mahomes is still in the top 10. Um, And I think that's how graphic of a difference it would be if you take away. Now they're building it the right way around him. I just wonder if that's a road to nowhere. And I think Dynasty, Tua Tagovailoa, Loa is super dangerous um, as an asset. Now he's falling, and I think appropriately so um, in the marketplace, uh, but he hasn't fallen enough. Like he's in the mid teens uh, by the market. I have met quarterback 20, uh, and I have uh, multiple co- rookie quarterbacks ahead of him. And I've got some quarterbacks where I have question marks ahead of him as well. So it just goes to speak of how much. Uh, how much concern I have about Tua Tagovailoa. And the other part is, hey, he was healthy this year. I mean, that was a huge question mark we had. You know, is the Kung Fu training going to work? Uh, is he going to be one that that sustains? Well, the, the answer to that was yes. Uh, he was one of the few quarterbacks. What was it? Nine, 10 quarterbacks. I can't remember the stat of how many guys essentially played every meaningful game for their team uh, for every start. He was one of them. So uh, we didn't even, you know, that was part of the calculus six six months ago on our concern. And now the concern is, eh, is he really that good? Things have to be perfect. I'm going to start calling him the orchid. You know, that uh, it was Steven Strasburg uh, there with the Washington Nationals because he would get hurt all the time. And he basically, if you had perfect conditions, you know, 73 and sunny, he was uh, he was a great, uh, a great pitcher there in Washington. But it was like, oh, if it gets cold, you know, and, and any moment you could see him walk off the mound and be holding his arm or holding his elbow. And uh, Tua Tagovailoa feels kind of the same way. You get, uh, you know, when they are grooving and they are healthy and they are vibrant and the weather is good, I I mean, hold on. They could put up 35 plus a game. Um, But man, when things start going awry, you have huge concerns. And so Tua is not really a lid lifter. He's a product of what is going on around him. 
Um, and that, that to me is the biggest takeaway for Miami. Dallas Cowboys, uh, I think what's going to happen, and this is this is honestly good news if you're a startup drafter or uh, generally a Dak Prescott fan, is you know they got down so big and he ended up piling up some production, 400 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, there in relief, they actually prompted the uh, the the Packers starter to come back into the game. Didn't really matter either whether they were in or out. But um, I, I thought I thought like like so the Cowboys not advancing uh, and having this this hand wringing uh, of what's going to happen this off season. Where are we going? Dak Dak's overrated. He can't win the big game. All this stuff. It's going to really help his price tag in, in startup drafts and in trading. So again, I, I, I said before during the season, he was going through that elite stretch. And it's like, if he cannot get into the top six, seven, eight dynasty quarterbacks by the market with that, he never will. He's hitting 30. He's the oldest of the top guys, if you will, that are, you know, in the top 10 to 15 of the position. And, I just think, you know, everything's being run back. You know, Cooks is going to be back. Lamb's going to be back. I mean, what a season for Jake Ferguson. They'll they'll find a running back. Not really concerned about that. And so, again, they lost the game because their defense played horrible. Dak had a couple of interceptions that were backbreaking. And that doesn't mean he's horrible. It doesn't mean Dallas's offense is horrible. It doesn't mean they're not going to be highly dynasty relevant and productive next year. It doesn't mean any of those things. And yet that's going to stick with people in the offseason. So I think it's a glorious opportunity for Dak Prescott. I will say ancillary point on the Cowboys is be concerned with Tony Pollard. I think it's going to be very interesting that, you know, he was in a full committee with Ezekiel Elliott. He was great. And now he was the guy. He had almost 300 touches in the the fantasy season this year. And life was not very good. Uh, He looked kind of like just a guy, honestly. Uh, And so now older than people think as well, you know, he's going to be 27 around the NFL draft time. Is he going to be one that gets paid? And I think the the answer should be no. There's a glut of talent on the market for free agent running backs. We'll see who goes back to their teams like Sequan, Sequan Barkley, but Derrick Henry's poised to be out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry from this point forward at three years older has a better top season than Tony Pollard remaining. That might sound like crazy to some because Henry's going to be 30, but it might also sound not crazy at all because you're like, "Eh, well, he's been highly productive for a number of years. Tony Pollard really just won. Uh, So Tony Pollard in free agency to me is one of the clear and uh, clear watch issues Uh, with the Rams losing. uh, My, the biggest thing that I've been swirling around since the game was Cooper cup that his, his, I, I did his specific micro comps for 2024 alone and they didn't turn out that well. And part of that is, again, he wasn't that great this year. He had 400 yard games and the rest of his games were like 50 yards and fewer. It was very hit or miss. Um, and it's kind of confusing too, because it kind of looked like he was playing hurt out there. And yet, you know, once he came back in week five, he wasn't missing games, but he was off and on in terms of like ignored in the offense versus vibrant. Uh, and so I don't know if we're going to have something come out that he was playing through such and such injury, you know, or just wasn't, he was, he was playing at 75% the whole year and gutting it out. Like, I don't know if we're going to hear something like that, but I would not be surprised. Um, and so he's one that I think could be a big value because everyone's going to be like, well, Puka Naku is great. Uh, there's nothing else left. Cooper cup had a downturn. He's crash. He's old. And in dynasty that really gets pounded down in the off season. And I think that could happen here with Cooper cup. Um, so he's going to be one that 
especially in rookie draft time, that I know it's not the greatest of classes. However, I think it's an opportunity for Cooper Cup to almost be an add-on to some, to, so, you know, if, you, if you're looking to, like you're sitting there at, at uh, I don't know, 108, and you're like, eh, you know, I don't really love my options. How about, uh, how about I trade for a future first? You may be able, to be able to get Cooper Cup added to a deal like that. In a trade down from the late first round to this, somewhere in the second round, you might be able to get Cooper Cup as the piece thrown in there. Um, and th- those are the types of deals that you need to have it uh, reach critical mass, both from the rookie picks peaking in terms of value, but also uh, an older veteran like Cooper Cup um, falling and declining to their their valley point. Um, because guess what? I-, I think his profile is one that you should bet on it being productive next year, as opposed to this is the beginning of the end and it's going to be horrible. Historically, you want to bet on the former, not the latter. Steelers are out of the playoffs, and I think this is a really interesting spot for quarterback um, that, you know, they passed it around. We saw three quarterbacks play this season. Kenny Pickett kind of proved what we thought he was going to be, where, you know, a late first round pick and and typically, unless that's a trade up uh, from the second round or something like that, um, or we've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, or or Jordan Love, uh, where they've been, really been fostered into environments. Kenny Pickett was one where it didn't really seem like there was a lot of upside. And now they are, you know, somewhere around the 20th overall pick again this year, um, where I think that's uh, more in play this year than it is in previous years. I think they're going to get a look at someone better than Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think this is a year where, Mason Rudolph's a free agent, but you look at their weapons, Pat Fryermuth, a couple good running backs, Pickens, Deontay Johnson. Uh, this is ready to go if they have a quarterback that can lift the lid uh, and show a higher ceiling than what they've had. And I think this is the perfect opportunity that whether it's low level in free agency or the NFL draft, I think the Steelers, we should be tractor beam because they have Lamar Jackson. They got Joe Burrow in their division. Uh, they've got Deshaun Watson. And I think they're going to need to put up uh, put up something substantial here. Um, so I think, again, free agent quarterback, the Baker Mayfield stories are a boon, but I look at situations like Russell Wilson. I look at situations like even Gardner Minshew with how he showed. Uh, they should be a team that maybe takes a shot on Jameis Winston, that even if you don't say he's going to be the week one starter, say it's going to be Winston versus whether that's a late first or a second round pick or a third round pick at uh, at, uh, at at quarterback. With the rookies, I think that is the kind of situation. This has good talent around said starter. And even if it's Ryan Tannehill, uh, I think they need, or Jacoby Brissett, for example, Drew Locke, they need to shake this up. Mason Rudolph has been on that team for quite some time. They had zero trust or faith that things were going to work out in the drop back passing game in the first round of the playoffs here against Buffalo. And I just, that optic to me was one of the worst optics was Pittsburgh was featuring the running backs, running the ball, running the ball. But just in general, you held your breath with Mason Rudolph in the drop back passing game far too much in that game. And you just had zero optimism that they could possibly come back and make that a game once they were down by multiple scores. So this is a really interesting spot to watch quarterback in the offseason. Eagles, uh, also losing final team here. And I would say the biggest thing to watch here is I want to see how this evolves over the next 12 to 18 months uh, at quarterback, because Jalen Hurts is one, when you look at how much he has produced, uh, he had one pop season when you look at his uh, fantasy points per drop back. 
But the other three years are all pretty similar, including this one. So the pop was in 2022, not 2023. He's been about 10 rushes per game. That's very high. I mean, he's basically, I wonder, and and with how he's been Cam Newton-like, 38 rushing touchdowns over the past three seasons. And there's a non-zero chance that we see the tush push get get banned or, or taken out of the game. But even if it doesn't, I will say this, you know, they are losing Jason Kelsey. Uh, that you have uh, Jalen Hurts was down to 3.9 yards per carry this season. Is he going to age like a running back? He's been an average-ish passer, passer by NFL standards. And I just wonder if he starts aging like a running back here in his later 20s, where are we going with this? You know, especially at macro where he costs a lot in dynasty. He's right up there with the big boys and he's not that far away from Allen. He is drafted over Mahomes sometimes. Uh, he is way up there in his acclaim. Uh, and, you know, you're passing on big time dynasty quarterbacks that they're drafting them in the higher part of round one. And I think, and and just the the trade valuation there. So I just wonder, you know, this Eagles team, ten and one. You know, if we look back three years from now, and let's rewind and say when were they at their peak, and it was like ten and one in the 2023 regular season, and Jalen Hurts was grooving, because we had AJ Brown just a little bit of time. His cost in 2025 zooms up. It's time to pay Devonta Smith, who stepped up. He was the only guy really producing in that playoff game. And I mean, who knew? Like it was weird watching the first quarter, second quarter where I was like, really? They're pinning their hopes to some degree on Julio Jones here. Like that just shows you the the crumbling depth they don't have. They're at wide receiver. Quez Watkins is a free agent. So they need to get, you know, more depth there. And it's not just, hey, oh, draft a guy in the first round. And, you know, it has to be, you know, some elite wide receiver three. I just mean they need to have some functionality uh, behind Brown and behind Devonta Smith for when they miss, invariably miss time. Uh, you know, like for, here's an example with the Chargers. You saw guys step up, you know, they, they were missing Keenan Allen at times. They were missing Mike Williams for most of the season. And they were getting guys off the street and they were productive. And the Eagles, didn't really have that, you know, didn't really have that put them in and and be productive. Like the system is going to help these guys. So I just wonder if the window is kind of closing on the Eagles, the window is closing on Jalen Hurts, uh, that it's been a magical carpet ride for uh, for the rushing. And I just have some concerns there. I've always been a little bit below market on, on Jalen Hurts, no matter what, just the concern level. The Josh Allen is kind of the crown jewel of rushing, but also passing. And Hurts, you know, turning 26 in the offseason here. And he's at, you know, QB3, sometimes QB2 in, in startup drafts. But man, like when you, you look at Jalen Hurts versus Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson has a better profile, you know, of, of what he's done so far and kind of where they're trending. He's already, you know, being paid at a big time level. And his weapons are kind of peaking and getting better when you talk about adding Zay Flowers. Uh, they already had the bust in, in Rashad Bateman. He's way down the depth chart. So uh, he was, he's been producing this year with no Mark Andrews, you know, so Mark Andrews will actually be coming back to them next year. Uh, For example, CJ Stroud, just getting started. Joe Burrow, more of a pocket passer. Uh, Justin Herbert, Anthony Richardson. When you look at, he could be cresting when Jalen Hurts is coming down a little bit um, as a runner. Dak Prescott, like I can make arguments on all these guys over Jalen Hurts. Um, So that's one of the biggest points coming out of the Eagles and their horrific loss to the Bucs. 
I mean, again, the defense didn't play well and all that stuff, but from the dynasty lens, we have to look at, we have to look at the offensive side of the ball. And that was a graphic thing. It was Jalen hurts. You are not carrying anything in this game. And, uh, you know, to say that you had nothing around you, you had Goddard around you, you had uh, Devonta Smith around you, but it's just the ball didn't move. And the point guard aspect of Jalen Hurts has been something that I have been watching with a keen eye uh, to see when things are going well and not going well. And it has not been going well for half a season now. Finally, I wanted to go through a, a bullet point or two uh, from putting together my 1.0 values at the 2024 skill position rookie class. I'm still putting together the big board that'll be out, the 1.0 big board that'll be out at uthdynasty.com. That'll, that'll be out by the end of the week. But uh, I wanted to go, since now they're incorporated into the veteran pool, just one or two little nuggets. And again, you can check out all that at, at the website itself. So two things here at the quarterback position. I got uh, two takeaways. Uh, I have six quarterbacks uh, of the rookie variety in the top 30 of the dynasty quarterback position. There's a lot of uncertainty when you get beyond, say, 10, 11, 12 names. And so I I wouldn't be surprised. First of all, I wouldn't be surprised if there's only three quarterbacks drafted in the first round by the NFL. I also wouldn't be surprised if there's five or more uh, with these profiles and, and these players that are going to be in the back end mix. Is that, you know, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, uh, that again, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL generally views those guys as day two quarterbacks. I also wouldn't be surprised if they view um, all those quarterbacks as worthy of back half, especially with some of the team needs out there, back half of round one uh, consideration there. Uh, when you talk about the the better teams, I mentioned Pittsburgh in this show, but also uh, other teams that I think this is the perfect year. I say it all the time, draft just like the Packers have done twice in a row now of, or the, again, the Chiefs got their guy in Patrick Mahomes and they had no need with Alex Smith playing well. He played at a really high level. They made the playoffs the year they drafted and sat Patrick Mahomes. So I'm a huge advocate of this plan. And I think this is the perfect year, whether you're a team like the Rams, maybe you're a team like Seattle, uh, that even if you don't have an overt need right now, uh, you draft, if you find someone worthy drafting one of those guys to sit and develop and say, hey, if there's no injury, you're not playing basically this year and TBD on when you do. I think there's multiple aspects that can motivate the starter just that little bit more. It grooms a young quarterback and it doesn't get them thrown in the fire, which I think is generally a good thing. Maybe not wait three years to have you to have you play like Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers, but I do think it gives you a lot of flexibility on what to do going forward based on having early access to the results uh, with practice and going through the preseason and all of that as you go forward with a rookie of import, you know, drafting before you have that need. The running back position, and uh, it's the opposite. Uh, I have one rookie running back in my top 30, and this despite a lot of needs. Uh, Well, a lot of older running backs at 27, 28, 29, even 30 years old, still residing in my top 30. And the, the big part of it is they're pedigreed. Guys like James Conner, Joe Mixon, projected starters for next year, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, uh, Derek Henry. And you can bag on those guys, but this is a pretty flimsy running back class. You can call it deep. You can say there's a bunch of sleepers. Hey, I'm going to find profiles I like at running back every single rookie class, regardless of of 
you know, 2016, for example, oh, look at all the guys that went day three. We didn't get a lot in the first three rounds. Fine. You know, we can, we can parse through the day three guys all we want, but it's going to be don't pay too much. And I think it's going to be a class that everyone seems to be hip to that uh, of like, ooh, I'm not going to draft any of these guys. But you know what? You'll get into rookie drafts and still Isaiah Spiller like there will be overdrafted day three running backs. Mark my words when we get to May. It is invariable. Uh, it, it will happen. Death taxes and and there will be some avoid running backs purely based on the fact that they're day three and they're being overdrafted. Um, so that was the biggest takeaway is that I like some of the guys, but running the early comps uh, for these profiles, as well as getting some early projected NFL draft ranges. And my first my first uh, takeaway was, yeah, you know, side with the uh, the other part, not only side with the with the veterans, you know, if you're in that scenario of stacking up rankings like I am. But the other part is don't overlook guys like Zach Charbonnet, Kendra Miller. These are superior profiles to what we have this year. So to say that, oh, I'm going to take a shot on, you know, pick a player, Blake Corum. Uh, well, you know, Blake Corum is older than Zach Charbonnet and Kendry Miller, despite being behind them in a class, uh, by a class. And you have uh, those two guys, Charbonnet and Miller, round two and round three profiles. Are we sure Blake Corum gets day two? Is that a lock? I don't think it's a lock. So again, you're giving up known pedigree known uh, landing spot and all these things, as well as a younger player that we've already seen in the NFL to some degree be on the success track or at least the optimistic track. Uh, so that was the thing that struck me is it's a young young man's game and there are some young backs in this 2024 class. However, again, they're not guaranteed anything uh, from from you know a, a backup role with with upside or a starting role or anything like that. So just be careful about blindly saying, rookie running back, I'm on board, because uh, that's not how it came out to me. And I I, I usually gravitate towards uh, give me profiles that I like. Uh, there's just not enough to like. Uh, I, the comps didn't come back good enough. And again, we'll get combine testing and all of that. And you know, guys will rise and fall with their profiles in general, but not a lot of elite producers and not a, a lot of elite profiles. And when you pair that with non-elite pedigree projections, it's a, it's a class that you have to be very careful about spending too much. Wide receivers. And I'll say this. I, I think a lot of people view it as Marvin Harrison is way up here as I hold my hand above my head. And then everybody else is way down there. And I don't view it that way. Um, I, think, I think there's going to be at least two wide receivers that get top five, six, seven, eight picks, top eight picks in the NFL draft, which is a really high level. And we may have three in the top 10. Uh, so I think Malik Neighbors is absolutely legit. Uh, he came out razor thin close to Marvin Harrison in my 1.0 values here to start the process. And I have them both in the top 10 for dynasty wide receivers. And I really, I sat there and I was looking at a bunch of different stuff. And this is after I already scrubbed everything. And I was like, you know, they could be two or three spots lower. And the more I thought about it, you're going to get two elite prospects. Malik Neighbors is 21.1 years old, for goodness sake. And I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for. So I, I, I love Neighbors. And I think that gap from Harrison to Neighbors is too big by the market. I have it razor close. And so we'll see how that within a class that's going to have plenty of quarterbacks high in super flex drafts. 
Uh, and then it's going to be a drove of wide receivers and Brock Bowers, depending on maybe the scoring and the format in general uh, for how high he goes. But I think wide receiver is going to be fascinating and it's going to be a big year in terms of there might be four, five, six, seven first rounders. And that means there's potential value on the back end. Who's going to be ignored? You know, who has that quote unquote ugly profile, but got the round one pedigree. And then parsing it out based on Sometimes you actually fall in the first round and you could be like Brandon Ayuk or some of these others. You can go to a better spot than going high up. And so it's a nice blend because, you know, if a wide receiver goes top four, five, six in the draft, I mean, especially if there's multiple of them, that second guy, which could could or would be neighbors in this in this uh, exercise that I'm doing, uh, presenting it, that he can actually end up being the value uh, play as the wide receiver two or heck, someone lands in a quote unquote good spot later in the first round and neighbors or or that. Uh, you know, that section of the of the class may even be the value and go wide receiver three when you talk about the board. Hide end, uh, finally here. And this is another one where Brock Bowers didn't come out quite as good as I was expecting. So again, it's a pretty stacked, like tight end looks a heck of a lot different now than 12 months ago. 12 months ago, we were fighting ourselves to find, uh, you know, uh, age age plus productive profiles. You know, Kelsey was already getting old enough to make people squeamish last off season. People were super high on Kyle Pitts, uh, but he hadn't really done enough in my opinion at that point in time. Uh, and you look at what's changed now. I mean, you have Laporta, good rookie season. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, good rookie season. Trey McBride uh, came from bus track to being one of the leading edge producers over the, the last part of the season. Uh, you put all that together, and as well as having you know Kyle Pitts that's not even 24 years old yet when he kicks off for 2024 season, and Bauer's not coming in at 21, he's coming in at 20 22.8, and I mean there's a drove of players ahead of him. So I was my first takeaway was I was surprised at how low, relatively speaking, like you know Bowers has been hyped for for so much, and I did, started doing the comps, and he didn't come up uh, as well as you. I would have hoped, or, you know, if you're a big fan or wanted to see him super high in my rankings, that he needed to look better. And then the other part is the, the rookie tight ends. I mean, I think Bowers is going to get the bump because they say, well, look at what Laporta did. Look at what uh, Kincaid did, you know, isn't it, so why can't Bowers do at least that or better? Well, be really careful because I think he's not a true traditional tight end. And I think that's a little worrisome that he has to land in the right spot. And you would assume that that type of team would be drafting him. But look at Kyle Pitts. They're basically using him as a wide receiver. And I, was that a good fit? A lot of people thought so. Uh, but he landed with Drake London. And now I think he could basically be the wide receiver two to Drake London. They don't have a quarterback. And life is not so rosy. So Brock Bowers going somewhere that... Again, he kind of needs the perfect situation to at least get off to a rock star early start. Otherwise, I mean, I think, you know, if you have that rookie pick and you're like, well, I can trade that pick, I don't care what type of format it is. But if you can trade the pick that's Brock Bowers for Kyle, you, you can probably trade it for Kyle Pitts Plus. You can probably trade it straight across for Mark Andrews. Uh, you might be able to trade it for TJ Hawkinson or Hawkinson Plus. I think you have a lot of options. Uh, certainly, you could trade it for Travis Kelsey Plus, I would imagine. You have a lot of options. And it may turn out, at least at minimum for a couple of years, turn out to be a huge win in your favor where uh, you're getting stuff on top of the other player that outproduces uh, Brock Bowers. So that would be one of my biggest takeaways. 
putting putting uh, putting up the the rankings with the rookies involved in the UTH Dynasty rankings. As always, wanted to talk about uh, some of the content coming out. I record with Tim Torch every week for the UTH Patreon channel. That's patreon.com slash UTH. And uh, this week we're doing a fantasy. We're actually doing a two round uh, mock draft, uh, startup draft. So I don't know if we've ever done this. Uh, We might have talked about the first round of like target avoid players and all this kind of stuff. But Tim and I are going to actually do two rounds drafting against each other in Superflex and two PPR for tight end. So that's going to be a fun discussion of team building, a fun discussion of you know, hot players versus each other and how to make those decisions. Another thing we're going to be putting out is we're going to each have two takeaways from our, uh, from the, the divisional games, uh, excuse me, the playoff games this past week from a dynasty lens. You heard a little bit of, of some of my thoughts uh, that I'm going to be going over in, uh, in those episode uh, in this episode. And then uh, we're going to fantasy draft the, the 12 sports months of the year and of the calendar. So uh, what sports are going on at the time? Uh, what do you like to watch? What do you gravitate towards? And we're going to actually draft all 12 against each other. So it'll be some fun stuff. We always mix in, you know, non nitty gritty, uh, real dense uh, dynasty content with some fun stuff as well. So you can find that over there. I'm also doing a VIP series. So anyone that is in the all pro tier or higher or in the VIP chat, they've been requesting and sending in uh, team rosters. And I've been going over recording team direction and uh, what to do now in the offseason kind of state of the union shows where I help, you know, it's 10 to 20 minutes and talk about their roster, what to do, moves to make suggestions there and and different ways to think about it. Because, you know, if, if I talk about my teams or if I talk about things in a vacuum, it, it, you know, it has a different feel than, hey, this is a real roster and we're trying to make it the best it's possible. Go from good to great, great to elite or elite to untouchable and all those statuses. So you're going to get to hear uh, that in uh, a series, I've already put out two or three of them, and there's probably at least four or five more to come over the next few weeks here of getting VIPs on the best track possible for the off season. So again, that's over at patreon.com slash UTH. If you like uh, this show, I encourage you heavily. You can try out the general manager plus uh, money back guarantee. Uh, because you're going to get over 500 premium shows a year, uh, whether it's things going over uh, player profiles. Uh, sometimes I'll just do uh, three, four, five trades uh, that are instructive in the Dynasty marketplace. We'll be going over rookie draft and trading transparency, uh, doing startup draft series um, as well. And anytime there's an update, uh, a massive one to players uh, doing a show about what has changed with their profile, uh, doing looking looking at their comp spectrum, as well as other audio content you cannot find anywhere else. So thank you so much for listening to this show. We're kicking off the off season. If you're a new listener or if that was your first regular season, can't wait to have you for the off season listening here, building up our dynasty profiles and our portfolios together. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.